welcome to Care Credit's podcast series on using data to help you get your practice back to normal. I'm Randy Baldwin, Vice President of Specialty Client Marketing here at Care Credit. My guest today is Patty Casebolt. She's the Chief Quality Officer at Medical Eye Center. Today's topic of conversation is how to use data to help improve practice performance. Now, before we actually get into the, the essence of our podcast here, I want to thank you, Patty, for joining us. And for those listeners who might not have heard you on our previous podcast, can you actually um, tell us a little bit about yourself, the practice that you work for, so that our listeners can actually learn more about you? Sure. Thanks, Randy. I appreciate being here. I am the Quality uh, Officer at Medical Life Center in Southern Oregon. Our clinic was established in 1911 and has a long history of innovation and community leadership. One of our uh, providers, you know, was the creator of the cataract SRK formula, Dr. Betzlock, he's the R in the SRK formula. And one of our other providers, Dr. Imperia, was involved in the original FDA studies for LASIK. You know, I'm really excited. I've just celebrated my 30-year anniversary at the clinic. And over time, I know, right? Over time, I've worn a lot of hats there, um, included refractive surgery coordinator, I was the surgical assistant, marketing manager, risk manager, clinical director, and now in my present role um, as the chief quality officer, I get to work with our entire practice. And so I'm, I'm still thrilled. 30 years later, I, I love my job. Wow, fantastic. A lot of great pedigree that you have there. A lot of good information um, that I believe that you we select you as one of the experts, and that's why you're here to do this podcast. So, Great. Uh, you know, Patty, you and I have known each other for many years now, and we've talked about data, right, and the use of data. And you know that I firmly believe that practices need to use data, understand what type of information that they have, in order to make really intelligent decisions on how to measure for improvements, whatever it is that they're looking for, right? So let's get into this podcast. Um, when thinking about measuring your practice performance, where do you start, Patty? Do you have a background in analytics? No, not at all. And I certainly, you know, I had management and business experience, but I had very little experience with data analytics at a more, you know, comprehensive level. And this was really illuminated during a session years ago with our senior management team, which, you know, I was a part of. We had hired a business consultant, and um, she asked us about our percentage of market share. And our whole team, you know, told her, oh, yeah, we, you know, we are definitely – the big players here, you know, we definitely have, the, you know, all the market share or the majority of the market share. And she just looked at us and asked us, you know, how do you know that? Can you can you prove that to me? Um, and we realized we had made up an assumption um, that we were the leaders. You know, we were certainly the largest practice, but we didn't have any facts to back up that. We didn't have any facts to back up that claim. You know, we were basically managing by hunches um, and, you know, the feel of, you know, what our, our gut told us. The next important lesson I think that I learned um, through all of this coaching years ago, I really do credit working with, you know, those outside consultants um, to my, uh-huh. you know, my learning, you know, my kind of growing up, as you, if you will, as a, a manager and a senior leader. Uh, because, you know, I think most people don't really have that background. Um, and, and so, you know, this lesson that I learned was not only just looking at the data um, and looking at those spreadsheets, but kind of taking that 30,000 foot viewpoint of what is this, what are the, what is the data telling you? What's the story behind this data? 
you know, for example, several years ago, uh, we were looking at our marketing reports and our LASIK word of mouth referrals had just plummeted. And when we mm-hmm. looked back, we realized that we had changed several of our surgical processes to increase efficiency. And, you know, this included reducing some of our, what we would call comfort items um, on the day of surgery, like using our LASIK counselors to marry surgery to the family members. Um, we had omitted things like um, the neck warmers. You know, we used to have these warm neck wraps um, and refreshments, and we found that, you know, it took the counselors a lot of time to do that, so we had omitted that. And when we really looked at that, we wondered about, you know, this word about giving people an experience. And so we decided to add all of that back in, including a few additional items. And mm-hmm. once we had done that, our numbers went right back up. So that's, you know, the importance, I think, of, of taking the time to really look at your numbers and then understanding what, what are these numbers telling you. Yeah, yeah, very, very good, very good story um, and experience that you just expressed. So I want to get a little bit more specific here. And... Um, so I'm going to ask you a few questions to help set up this, this podcast. And one of them is KPIs. And many people don't know what KPIs stand for, but that is key performance indicators or mm-hmm. different topics and different things you actually want to measure, right? So does data that you obtain um, from other sources or maybe data points within your own practice, how do you use those things to measure your growth and success? And then, how did you learn which KPIs you really need to actually measure? Mm-hmm. Those are great questions, Randy. You know, our practice um, really places a lot of emphasis on KPIs, um, and each manager is actually responsible for a set of benchmarks that pertain to their individual department. And, you know, it's not only important to understand what are the standard KPIs for each department, but how do they compare to the industry benchmarks? So, like you said, you know, how did we find out. And, you know, we work with a very large uh, group of other ophthalmology practices um, in the industry that we get those benchmarks from from them as well. But then we also look outside of our industry, you know, at Consumer Confidence Index, um, and we look to our representatives, you know, from each industry. And so we kind of decide for ourselves um, what's important to measure, and then we stick to it. And, you know, over time, you may change those, but if you keep changing too often, uh, it's going to skew, you know, your trending. So I think it's important, like I said, to know um, each each individual department's KPIs. And then also, you know, what's actually happening within those departments? And then again, how does that impact the whole clinic as a whole? So an example of this, you know, years ago, I was working uh, with another national consultant, and he asked me, about my marketing report. And he wanted to know the, the specifics about um, numbers and why they had fallen. And I realized, you know, I didn't know. I couldn't supply an answer. And it was, you know, as you can imagine, I, I felt pretty embarrassed. Um, and <laughs> so my, you know, my, my boss wasn't very happy with me either um, because, you know, he was specifically asking about what had we done in our marketing over the year, where those spikes were, where we had, you know, increased leads or decreased leads, and we hadn't been tracking, take accountability, I hadn't been tracking um, and correlating what we were doing in marketing and how the numbers um, compared. So the takeaway for me was that I had been too busy putting out fires and not enough, you know, time really paying attention to our KPIs. And, you know, Randy, I also think it's important to look at 
um, you know, the full practice demographics. You know, when you look at our gender demographics, we know that 60% of our patients are female and 40% are male. And, of course, you know, if you look at our medical spots, the majority are, you know, it's probably more like 90, 10, you know, female. But, you know, we also look at things like um, how many of our patients are insurance pay versus self-pay patients. We look at wow. zip code analysis. We look at our zip code analysis so, you know, we can understand where the patients are coming from. And then, you know, we also break out our lead and our surgical demographics for each program and by providers so that we know, you know, where are these patients coming from, what are their ages, what's their gender demographic. And all of these um, reports really drive their, our marketing plan and, and they're really important for, you know, when we're making our budgeting decisions. And, you know, ultimately, Andy, I think it's um, – it's super important to partner with other experts outside of the industry. Like I was saying before, you know, we really mainly look at uh, our industry reps who have access, you know, they've got access to more data than we do and more resources and they're out there. So I really like partnering with them. You know, an example of you know how I do that is, you know, when we're planning our annual LASIK marketing budget, for instance, I find it really helpful to connect with our LASIK business development manager um, outside of, you know, our company and as well as other companies like MarketScope. And I give them a call and say, you know, what are you guys planning um, or what are you predicting for future growth in the coming year? And then we come that to, you know, our own numbers. And then we, it's, you know, it's helpful to make the plan for what kind of growth is expected. Um, and then we can build our budget around that. You know, Patty, those are very good points. Um there's areas in the practice that a person can measure, right? And honestly, we could look at all those different areas, but I'm going to make sure that the listeners can think about just a few of the areas that you pointed out. So if you will, uh, let's look at three areas in your practice primarily, and then if you want to bring out some other areas uh, that are important to measure, please, please, please let us know. So, so how does your practice utilize data to improve conversions, retention, and, and treatment acceptance with, for, for patients. Yeah, I, you know, I had chosen, there's so many, right? We could talk all day about uh, KPIs and, and all the areas that we could measure, but I, I picked out a few that I think uh, your listeners may find helpful. And the first is uh, our LASIK program. You know, we capture our lead to consult and our consult to surgery conversion rates. I mean, those are the bread and butter um, and then we compare how those, um, compared to national averages that what I look at is the market scope, uh, conversion. So, you know, the last report I had seen from market scope was, you know, call to consult. So when a person contacts the office and then your conversion to the consult should be around 68% at, at a minimum. And so that's, that's what we look at as, you know, as far as giving feedback to our counselors and where, you know, where they are. This is helpful to understand uh, these numbers, and we were doing our consult to surgery as well, but not we weren't getting great conversions when we were looking at the lead to consult. So, like that sixty-eight percent, we were we were well below that. And what we discovered is, yeah, the, the we were giving out too much information on the phone, and so we were turning yeah. that phone, first phone call into like a consult itself, and so people weren't converting to come into the office and do the actual consultation. So. You know, that's um, that's one area that I think is helpful. The other would be um, when we look at our seminar conversion rate mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. that same person if they were to have come in and do, a, you know, in-person consultation. 
And what we discovered is that in our seminar conversions, we were only converting around 30% of those patients versus, you know, our current conversion of in-person to consultation, you know, consultation in-person to surgery. We're doing that around 82% right now. So that's a huge wow. gap, right? And it, it doesn't take much to crunch those numbers and see the opportunity cost. So, you know, once we understood that, we decided to move more of our marketing dollars to promote an in-person consult versus, you know, coming to, an, to a seminar. But then we also realized if we changed the seminar, um, which we did, we started offering live LASIK demonstrations at the seminar, and that improved the conversion there as well. You know, Patty, that sounds excellent, you know, especially for the areas that you actually have a consultation, like in LASIK. Uh, what I want to do at this point, let's turn our attention to the optical dispensary. What type of KPIs do you measure in this area? And honestly, do you look at any outside data to help you with your own KPIs? That's a great question. Yeah, of course, you know, we look at um, industry norms. You know, we look at what what's out there on in the industry, such as things like, you know, frame board turn rates or second pair sales or, you know, what percentage of our our lenses are have AR coding, things like that, you know, the norms, fancy would normally expect. But, you uh-huh. know, one thing I wanted to call out that's a little different is looking at, you know, the opticians and their specific numbers. Because um, when I talk to other people, I you know, they, they do, like, production reports, but they're not looking at the intricacies within those reports. So I'll give you an example. You know, one case that we had noticed is that we had an optician uh, a few years back that consistently had the highest number of sales. And mm-hmm. we noticed that that person's average ticket was among the lowest. So, you know, if we'd only been looking at production, you know, we would say, well, you know, this person, there's a mismatch, right? So mm-hmm. after we dug into it a little bit more, we found out that this optician's background had been from, you know, uh, big box, you know, selling retail value products. And they were used to, uh, you know, they had quotas, they had to move quickly. And so the, the sales techniques that they had developed and that they were comfortable with were selling at these highly discounted rates. And in our office, you know, that's not what we offer. We certainly have package pricing, but, you know, we're really offering a premium product. And when we really sat down with this optician, we discovered that they just weren't comfortable um, it sounded difficult to sell a product that was more expensive than, you know, what they were used to. And so it was applying some coaching and we sent this person to the lab so that it could see okay. and they believed, they really believed in what we, that we offered. And, you know, really with some coaching and product training, that issue was resolved. Another area that we really pay attention to is our optician production by hour. So, you know, in some cases, you may have a discrepancy within the department where, you know, some ta- some opticians are taking a lot longer, you know, with patients. And, and, we see, and we've certainly seen that. You know, these opticians have, you know, really high reviews when it comes to patient satisfaction. But sometimes that can cause dissatisfaction within the team, right? Because, you know, some of their teammates might think, hey, I'm, I'm working a lot harder um, than you are. And so, you know, what we like to look at is, how does the team compare overall? You know, uh, we look at how many patients are they seeing per hour? Also, what is their average ticket and, you know, number of, of, of cells? And we like to work with the whole team looking at that 
and really digging into it to see, you know, is there any additional coaching that we can do to help either, you know, increase their average ticket or maybe it's an issue with um, computer training. You know, we certainly found that in one case where one of our staff members and our opticians just was taking it longer because they didn't feel confident um, in the EMR system and pushing sales through. So, you know, little tweaks like that can really have an impact not only on the bottom line, but on your, your whole team's morale. So, you know, Patty, I'm getting a certain pattern here. That is training and coaching your staff to utilize data to improve in this area. Is that what I'm, I'm hearing here? Absolutely. Yeah, this is extremely important. You know, the, the one thing that we really want to do is, um, you know, have our staff, we, we actually really, transparency is a big deal for us. So sharing numbers with the staff and showing them what we're doing, you know, with those numbers is important. For instance, like in our medical spa, you know, we, when we first opened, this has been more than 10 years ago now, you know, we were looking at our cost of goods sold. And, you know, in the industry, there's different, you know, as you know, benchmarks, but our cost of goods sold were 80%. And we've never run a medical spa before, so we didn't, we didn't really know what the benchmark was, but I can tell you we knew it wasn't 80%. <laughs> like, you're going to go out of business very soon. And, you know, we... We shared that, we shared those numbers with our staff and we partnered with them to problem solve and say, you know, where is it? Why is our, our cost of goods so high? And what we discovered is that we had two issues. And I certainly wouldn't have discovered this, you know, as quickly as we did without sharing these numbers with the staff. So uh, the first issue is that we had just too many products on the shelf. So we had, I think at the time we were working with five or six different companies all offered sunscreen, all offered, you know, a moisturizer. And so we just had, we weren't moving the product fast enough um, to sustain, you know, how our, our purchase, our investment. So that was the first uh-huh. issue. Um, the second issue is that we were allowing all of the staff to place inventory orders. And when I say all, I mean, you know, the key staff. But we just, we didn't have one person who was taking ownership um, of inventory orders. And so we just, we had no visibility and we had no structure. And, you know, although it wasn't very popular because we, we took that, you know, away as far as the ability for everyone to order, but when we added structure, we added ownership, we put those controls into place, um, we saw our cost of goods fall into place, and they've actually been below uh, company you know, or rather industry standards, you know, that benchmark all of these years. Um, we're really, we're proud of that. And then, you know, the other area that we really keep close track of is our profit per hour. And, you know, this is important to understand, you know, what services we offer and how they impact profit. You know, when we first opened, and, and I, I'll admit, you know, I'm kind of a spa junkie. You know, I like, I, I like to go to the spa. And so, you know, I'm not sure it was objective when we originally came up with our menu of services because I was, I was a, you know, proponent of offering massage. And so massage was something that we originally did offer. But what we discovered uh-huh. is over time, it takes a lot of time in the office and it's a very low profit margin. And so when we removed those treatments from our service line and we added services that are more medical-based and, you know, which actually improved the patient satisfaction because they were getting better results um, and, you know, they were more satisfied. And, of course, the partners, the owners are more satisfied because, you know, the profit margin improved. Yeah, it sounds like that data that you use actually help you uh, weed out the, let's say, bad services or, or the 
um, services that weren't giving you the bottom line that you really needed to be successful in that area. You know, Patty, I remember this story. We talked about when you guys opened your med spa in your ophthalmological um, practice here. And, and you said something to me back then. I'm just going to give you a little quick reminder and maybe throw it at you. You stated mm-hmm. earlier in this podcast that you use your reps to help you with your measurement and helping you to establish certain areas. And I remember you saying in your med spa that you did that. Um, was there a rep involved that helped you to really look at the particular KPIs and to handle what type of products you should have in your med spa? Mm-hmm. It's funny that you that you bring that up because, yes, we absolutely do. And, um, you know, I go into things, especially, you know, when I get a, a new offer from, from wherever. You know, I'm a little cynical, honestly, and it's kind of like, you know, prove it to me. And I'm remembering that, that conversation I had with you, you know, years ago, that um, we were offered through, you know, our industry rep, uh, a program that specifically looked at spa KPIs. And, you know, in my opinion, um, it was quite an investment. But I will tell you uh-huh. what, um, that investment in the big picture, and again, that 30,000-foot view, has really, I believe, truly what kept us in business. Because we'd never done a medical spa before. We didn't know what we were doing. Um, and it, it really was looking outside of ourselves to um, invest a little bit, you know, and that I don't even think about that cost anymore because it's so minimal compared to, you know, how successful the medical spa has become. You know, our medical spa is um, in one of, you know, they, there's different measurements, but we're in the top 2% in um, some of the services that we offer in benchmark compared to, you know, where everybody else is. So, we're quite proud of, of what we've done, but you're right. I mean, we couldn't have done it without expertise outside of, of the practice. You know, that, that's the point I wanted to bring out, that you're not alone. The listeners, you're not alone. Use others, right? Reps are very much happy. They're very happy to help with um, your KPIs, help your measurements, because honestly, you're helping them and you're helping um, your, your practice as well. Have your chair credit rep helped you with KPIs and training on this as well? Our reps, I mean, over my career, and we've worked with Care Credit for, you know, a really long time, uh, I have found the representatives that work with our practice with Care Credit to be so resourceful. And so, you know, some of the areas uh, that I've I've used our reps um, from Care Credit, you know, we, well, let me back up and say, you know, we accept Care Credit card um, throughout our practice. And, we pay really special attention to cross-selling and promoting, you know, the care credit card in all of our elective programs. However, what we found is in our LASIK um, program, for instance, our counselors had worked with our care credit um, representatives closely, and they were very um, proficient at using, uh, you know, the application process with the patient and the approval process, and, and so they they really felt comfortable talking about care credit um, with patients. But what we found when we looked at the rest of, the, of our office, you know, and our other elective programs uh, like optical or medical spa or just with our general practice um, staff, you know, our technicians talking uh, to patients about the optical department and their choices there, what we found is that each one of these areas, um, we were not, when we looked at our reports from care credit, we realized that Patients were not using um, their credit cards or applying in the same way that they were in our LASIK program. So uh, 
I worked with our care credit representative to come up with a plan. And what we did is we first had our care credit uh, rep come in and shadow, um, shadow all the departments and then give us a report. And then we decided, okay, we broke it down from there. Again, looking at the numbers, we realized which departments had uh, the least comfort. And so we, it was like a divide and conquer. You know, we used our care representative to then go into each one of those departments and role play and help them with scripting and just get them comfortable. And then we backed up after all of that training with them. We did the 30,000 foot view again and we looked at our numbers and we could see over time, it took about a year's time, that suddenly everyone in the practice was comfortable and offering um, at least patients to apply or use their credit credit card if they already had one. And we saw our numbers um, climb exponentially. I mean, just really, really um, saw the benefit. And more than that, we saw how the patients were then using their credit card throughout the office. So, for instance, you know, we offer um, discounts to a LASIK patient to go out and get sunglasses in our optical department or maybe a facial or some other, you know, um, procedure offering in the medical spa. We, we give those to them at the time they schedule LASIK surgery. And what we noticed mm-hmm. after we had done all of this training is patients were definitely moving from having LASIK to getting maybe a pair of, you know, great sunglasses and then uh, moving on to the spa. So we saw that cross-selling um, successfully within the practice, but that was only after we had come up with this comprehensive devel- development plan um, working hand-in-hand with our, our care credit rep. And the reason why I brought that up was to let our listeners know that uh, we truly do pride ourselves in helping practices, right? Not all about us care credit, uh, but we'll go out mm-hmm. and get reports and other KPIs and other trainings, uh, and such that our reps are more than happy to to accommodate our providers that support care credit. So I know, Patty, there's a few other areas that, that we talked about and I know that you outlined that. Can you help us with, with a couple other reasons why you measure um, and, and what your goals are for the practice in some other areas? Sure, Randy. You know, we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, our KPIs and um, the efforts that we put into the more of our elective side of, of the practice. But our practice, um, you know, has a healthy amount of functional medicine, if you will, and we take it very seriously as far as our efforts around risk management and the close tie between risk management and patient satisfaction. Patient satisfaction drives those elective numbers, right, and the growth in the practice. Um, but it's, I think it's, it's uh, you know, multifaceted in, in our approach. So, one area that we pay a lot of attention to is our patient satisfaction. And, you know, we look at our reviews and we work with experts outside of, you know, our industry to understand, you know, where should our benchmarks be as far as like our Google reviews and things like that. But anytime that we get a, a review from a patient who's say dissatisfied for whatever reason, one of our management team contacts the patient to see how we can address their concerns. And we don't just look at go by. You know, even even if it's a minimal complaint, we take it seriously. So mm-hmm. the way we use the data with that is you know, it's not just that we're connecting with the patient, it's we track that information. So we track what type of patient complaint um, or issue and we can run those reports and narrow it down so that, you know, we can correct the issues. So, for instance, you know, if we want to look at 
how many of our patients complained about patient wait time versus okay. maybe a billing a billing issue. Or perhaps, you know, the complaint was really just about the provider interaction or dissatisfied with their surgical results, et cetera. You know, I mean, those are all the things that we want to dig into because if it's just that we know that we had X percentage of our reviews were, you know, dissatisfied clients, that's not so helpful, right? And and if we can dig into it and run reports and understand and then also look at trend lines. Like, is this yeah, just a yeah. one-off, you know, where we just had a really busy day, we were short-staffed, or are we developing a trend? Because, you know, like I had explained earlier with our LASIK surgical, you know, our word-of-mouth referrals had fallen, that was a trend. And unfortunately, we didn't pick up on it early enough, right? We, we had a lot okay. of time that went by before we, we self-corrected. And so, you know, we pay attention to KPIs because we've gotten burned. You know, I've been there 30 years, and... I can tell you that, you know, there's been times over that last 30 years where I really, really wish that we'd, we'd had more um, emphasis on the KPIs and on benchmarks and trend lines and, you know, really paying more attention to that. Something you just said here that uh, that's really struck me was that measuring different um, items within your practice doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out process. You don't have to have tons and tons of data, but just understanding a patient, uh, you know, when they have a response, right? When they, you have a survey right. question and, for example, patient wait time was a problem. You guys mm-hmm. use that as a, a point to take action, and that's really the key here, right? Would you, would you, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, many times, I think this is true for a lot of managers, you know, it's certainly true for me. You know, oftentimes I get caught up in the day-to-day putting out fires, and you know, I, I put the time, you know, that I had set aside to look at the numbers and the benchmarks. I, sometimes that falls to, to the bottom of my stack for the day. But I have never seen a time where making time to do that, and it doesn't take a lot of time, you know, but just consistently looking at those reports and then feeding that information to the other managers, to the team, like the transparency I was talking about earlier. So we're, we're approaching it from, you know, we're all 100% responsible and no one's to blame. Because I think that's what happens so often. Is just, you know, it's easy to go to blame if it's someone's fault or some department's fault, rather than we're all in this together. And if we are really looking at our numbers, then we can problem solve together. You know, Patty, you said a lot and had a lot of good information, the best practices I think our listeners can certainly use. So before we wrap things up, what do you think that our listeners should take away from our conversation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of things, Jenny. I think um, first, like you had mentioned earlier, there is no embarrassment. There is no shame if, you know, data analytics is not in your, your toolbox, for instance. You know, it certainly wasn't in mine. And I think that's where working with your reps and being open about that and asking them for help um, can be very useful. I think the second thing is making sure that you are setting time aside uh, for looking at this data. And not only just looking at it, but again, what's the story behind it? And then checking that. Never assume anything. Mm-hmm. Don't manage by your by your gut. Um, and then maybe the third thing is just to have fun with it. You know, I mean, I over the years I have gotten to where I absolutely this is part of one of the you know parts of my job that I I love the most um, is because it's like moving the ball right down the field. You know, we all work so hard, and it's such it's so satisfying to 
be able to see that our efforts, my efforts, are, are making a difference and that the data shows that. So, yeah, I think that if, if it were, you know, if I were to wrap up everything, I would say, you know, just making sure that um, prioritizing this and, and improving your own skills by working with experts outside of your own arena. Wow, sounds great. Thank you so much, Patty, for this. I think the listeners will get a lot of the information that you have covered and really can implement it within their own practice. Yeah, thank well, you, Randy. I appreciate it. Fun. I want to thank you, Patty, for being a part of our discussion and for our listeners for taking the time to listen to today's podcast. Stay tuned for Care Credit's next podcast and our Using Data to Help Your Practice series. Thank you.